Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Good morning, I'm Dr. Kerry Gobe and welcome to Open Your Eyes Radio. Please listen as I discuss the newest information in the world of health, nutrition, and sports every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central Time on AM 1280, The Patriot. Also, please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com. Functional medicine focuses on treating the root cause of disease instead of just treating symptoms. Functional medicine restores healthy function through a personalized patient experience. Today's guest, doctor of chiropractic, Dr. Greg Mojan. Dr. Greg is a functional medicine doctor, speaker, and leader. His practice, the Vite Clinic, is one of Minnesota's largest functional medicine practices. You can find him on social media. He's on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Apple Podcasts, et cetera. I want to thank Dr. Greg. His last name is so hard to pronounce that he goes by Dr. Greg. Please, if I said your name wrong, if you could correct me. No, you did a great job, Dr. Galb. I appreciate you. And it, it's truly an honor to be present. And I'm excited to chat about health for all of our listeners today. You know, I, I, I've looked through your all your uh, Facebook posts and your TikTok and your Instagram, and you really do a great job when it comes to functional medicine. If you could explain to the audience what functional medicine is and why you got involved in functional medicine. That's a great question. So, you know, functional medicine, it, 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 and it's not better or, di or, you know, different from allopathic medicine. It just has a different approach. You know, the, the, the premise, the philosophy of functional medicine is that the body's response is appropriate. So if you have a symptom, it's not a bad thing. It's actually your body trying to talk to you. So instead of trying to put a, you know, a piece of black tape over the check engine light, functional medicine gets to be curious. We get to say, why is a person having this symptom? Or why is that blood marker elevated? As opposed to saying, ah, you got bad genes and bad luck, man. Here's some drugs and that's all you have. Now, the other aspect of functional medicine is are the tools that we use. You see, Western medicine, the typical tools that Western medicine have are drugs and surgery. And I'll tell you what, Dr. Gell, there is a time and a place for drugs and surgery to save lives. I mean, it's, we're, uh, you know, the United States is ranked number one in emergency medicine. So if I get in a car accident, this is the place to do it. Yet the World Health Organization in the same study looked at overall health and wellness. And the United States was uh, 35th out of 37 developed countries in overall health and wellness. And we spent the most per person per healthcare. So really, what they said there is better health through better biochemistry really doesn't work. So the idea of functional medicine, we use the same labs as your traditional doctor would, though we honor things like diet and mindfulness. 
we understand that emotion, you can have the best diet and take the best vitamins, but if you uh, are, are emotionally tapped and stressed, they don't work. So functional medicine is really a high touch component to get people back to where they deserve to be. We truly believe the body is designed to heal. It just needs nothing in the way. Well, you know, looking at you, you're in great shape. And so we, and you mentioned before, we're 35th at is 37 in wellness in the United States. Why is that? You know, here, so take, for example, autoimmunity. You know, one of the things I specialized in over the last 20 years are autoimmune diseases. So traditional Western medical training, their philosophy is, of autoimmunity is this, the immune system has gone rogue and it is attacking tissue of the body. So for example, if it's rheumatoid, it's attacking the joints. If it's MS, it's attacking the brain. If it's Hashimoto's, it's attacking the thyroid. So, so then what they do is they give immunosuppressive therapy. So that's the medical approach. In functional medicine, remember our philosophy, the body responds appropriately to its environment. So if, if the immune system is activated, instead of us saying, I'm so sorry, your immune system has gone rogue, we get to say, I wonder what it's activated against. Like, like what, what is it? Who is the enemy? So when we run labs, we get to realize, oh my word, this person has chronic infection or chronic toxicity. And if that's the true part of what's actually going on, it makes no sense to, you know, quote unquote, pull the troops from an immune system standpoint. So our approach is the is the antithesis of Western medicine. Instead of impeding the immune system, we come alongside the immune system and say, we're in the middle of a battle. Let's go out and kill those things. So so it's that it's that approach. It's that that didactic approach. And the other part of it, again, I'm, I'm not, there's a time and place for medication. But when we look at, you know, I mean, again, if medication like a headache is not a lack of an aspirin for example so we have to we have to allow ourselves to look at the big picture of health and the other thing is i have i have family members that are western medical doctors and they're good people you guys like i i love them and respectfully their hands are tied they are controlled by by big corporations or hospitals or pharmaceutical companies so like, actually, um, I got kicked out of the insurance companies 10 years ago because I was considered an overutilizer, which means I spent too much time with my patients. What? Right? So somebody in a carnigan in a cubicle said, that guy's spending too much of our money. So it's a business when the reality is it should be a relationship and it should be a journey and we get to honor the body. So it's it's a lot different approach, Dr. Gelb. I've heard you say uh, test don't guess. So <laughs> what kind of blood, what kind of labs do you run? What kind of blood tests do you run? And how can you help the, the listener out there? What labs should they walk in and ask for if they go to a functional medicine doctor? Although the functional medicine doctor will probably know what labs to run. But let's say, what are the labs that you think are the most important? And what should what should they run? Well, let me tell you what I found with people that find me is they hear about labs like homocysteine or apolipoprotein B or reverse T3. And then they go to their allopathic doctors and the doctor's like, I'm not running that lab. And they're like, no, no, no. They've never studied it. They don't know how to interpret it. And here's the thing. If you were a physician and someone asked you to run a lab and you got the result back and it was positive you're, and you didn't know what to do, you'd feel like a buffoon, right? So, so then you'd have resistance 
to run that lab. So, so when people walk into Vitae Functional Medicine, or we treat, when we treat people virtually all around the U.S., uh, we run anywhere between 10 and 50, uh, actually about 80 pages of labs. But our base panel, we always look at autoimmunity. I always want to have an understanding of the state of the union of the immune system. You know, my I, I feel like the immune system is kind of like an elementary school classroom teacher. And, and here's what we know, you guys, because the testing is so good now and the testing is so sensitive. So what I know is we've all been subjected to infection um, what I because I've never had a negative infection test when I run an advanced panel. What I also know is we've also all been subjected to toxicity in some fashion, heavy metals, molds, pesticides, herbicides. So so that the conversation is when when we look at those at those components, we know that our body's been subjected to those aspects. So when we, when we look at labs, then we want to understand like how what's the state of the union. So going back to that elementary school classroom teacher, right? So if there's Lyme and mold and viruses in the classroom, if the teacher is good, Dr. Gelb, she says, hey, little boys, I see you in my classroom, but you're going to keep your nose in the corner and you're not allowed to talk because I have the rest of this classroom that I have to pay attention to. And that's the rest of the body. And then somebody comes to the door. Somebody takes the teacher's attention from the class. And that someone, Dr. Gelb, can be an emotional stress. It can be a chemical exposure. It can be uh, you know, a woman going through menopause. And what happens then is the teacher takes her attention off the class. And then those little boys in the corner say, hey, guys, teacher's gone. And they take over the classroom. So, so we start with that. And then we look at things like, like, a, like we look at the liver and the kidneys and the gut. We talk a lot about drainage. Drainage is probably one of the, the things that the that medicine as a whole has not honored. And drainage is how things are supposed to get out of our body. So before break here, let me just jump into drainage. So your gut, your liver, your kidneys, your lymphatic system, your brain has its own lymphatic system called the glymphatic system, your sweat glands, and your respiratory system. And those are like a funnel. And we always are dumping things into that funnel and if any one of those drainage pathways is not functioning well, that funnel will overflow. And an overflow of the funnel always equals symptoms. So, so maybe after break here, I'll jump in and we can talk about maybe some more of those, those labs. But the catch is a lab, Dr. Gelb, is only as good as its interpretation. That's correct. And we are looking for optimal. Let's talk about some of the labs that you think are very important. And you were talking about drainage. But before mm -hmm. we get to drainage, say we start with say we start with the, the, the uh, white blood cell count. How can we look at optimal versus a few of you getting traditional uh, numbers uh, when you go to to your conventional physician? Such a good question. You know, so much information can be taken from that CBC or complete blood count lab. I mean, I could essentially run an entire practice off of a complete blood count and a comprehensive metabolic profile. There's mountains of information that comes out of that. But before we, under, we talk about the white blood cell numbers, let's talk about what is the what is proper white blood cell function. So your white blood cells are really, they're a part of your immune system. So I call this immunology 101. So, so your white blood cells are hanging out and I, in functional medicine, five to eight is the optimal range. Now in Western medicine, it's typically four to 10. So you notice we have a narrower range. So theirs is more disease-based, ours is more optimal functioning. So let's say you're hanging out in that five to eight, 
And then now let's talk in terms of war. You, you identify an enemy. Your immune system says, hey, there's a bacteria. So what happens then is you, quote unquote, deploy the troops. So if you are actively fighting an infection with a robust immune system and I run labs on you, I will see white blood cell counts in the 10, 11, 12, 13 range, which says you've identified an enemy, you've deployed the troops, you're out to kill the enemy, and then you're going to use the drainage pathways to get rid of the enemy's debris. And then you come back to five to eight and say, who's next, right? So immunology 201 is more of the real world. And that is, because remember I talked about in the last segment, we have parasites, viruses, yeast, fungus, heavy metals, molds, environmental toxins, pesticides, herbicides. These, these The enemy brings its friends. And the enemy also isn't a sitting duck. It'll fight back. So if your immune system is not robust enough and your drainage pathways aren't working well enough, what can happen over time is the enemies can kill our own troops. So what I see with chronic infection is people that show up on labs with a white blood cell count of less than five. So that less than five number tells us, and by the way, I don't have to convince many people this, that you've been in a battle for a long time because they're like, oh my gosh, I totally feel that way. So the cool thing about a complete blood count then, Dr. Carey, is we can go in and do something that are called differentials. And the differential will tell us the platelet count. And I typically like platelets between 200 and 300. Uh, if it's above or below, it means the immune system's in high demand. But then we have things like neutrophils and lymphocytes and monocytes, eosinophils, basophils, and immature granulocytes. And that, when read properly, will give us an idea as to who the culprit or culprits are. So, for example, there is association with neutrophils having a bacterial uh, association. There's research that shows that lymphocytes have a viral association. Monocytes can have a mycotoxin or a mold association. And then eosinophils and basophils can have a parasitic association. Now, for the listener, please do not run out and do a parasite cleanse or a or a whatever. Most detoxes don't work, you guys. We have to know what are we toxic in and why are we going after it. So, so when we look at the CBC, it gives us a true understanding of the state of the union of our immune system. So let's talk about the drainage. You brought it up a little bit before. Why is the liver important? What does the liver do for us? Oh gosh, Dr. Gelb, I call the I call the liver the most overworked, underpaid organ in the body. So what does it do? So so for our female listeners, take your thyroid. Your liver is 60% responsible for taking T4, like crude oil, and turning it into T3, which is the utilizable thyroid hormone. 60% of that happens in the liver. By the way, ladies, 20% of that happens in your gut. So that's number one. Number two, when, when for women that are menstruating, it's really the liver that helps shuttle estrogen and progesterone around menstruation and then again at ovulation. So many women that we find that come in that are stressed, they're actually not even ovulating because their body's like, not interested. <laughs> I got so much going on. Okay. And then you have this thing called, if most of us are, we're designed to have this thing called the gallbladder attached to our liver. So our liver has this digestive component. So your liver produces bile and then it schleps that bile into your gallbladder. And then when you, when it senses the, the presence of fatty acids in your, in your small intestine, it squirts out like dish soap to break down 
that that bile. Now, what I will tell you is I have yet to see someone that's had a cholecystectomy, fancy word for a gallbladder removal, that doesn't have liver stress. I believe that the liver will almost sacrifice the gallbladder when it's stressed. So, so that's important for us to know. And then lastly, the biggest picture, depending upon your size and your fitness, every three to six minutes, every drop of blood in your body gets filtered through your liver. So if you have infection and toxic toxicity, think of the load or the demand on the liver. And right now, according to medicine, non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome is going is in the middle of and going to be one of our leading finding chronic disease issues. And what it is, it's the liver putting the white flag up and it's saying, I am tapped. And that's what we're seeing from a liver standpoint. So the, then so then the drainage, like, so then what do we do for the poor liver? Like, how do we come alongside the liver? And I think there's many ways. There's things that are free and cheap. So I actually believe that proper respiration because your right hemidiaphragm muscle sits right on top of your liver. So proper respiration can actually pump the liver tissue. Um, castor oil packs. Uh, hot therapy, cold therapy. Um, I'm a big fan of coffee enemas. And no, you don't have to do those to get well, but it's a tool through the Gershon cancer method that works. Lymphatic work, um, hydration, watching your diet. I mean, the liver, it's and it all, none of those things really cost anything, you guys. There's really cheap ways to support the body. I mean, we're exposed to so many toxins and our diet, 63% of the uh, the American diet is processed foods. It's no wonder that so many people have hypothyroid and so many people are tired because the liver is not able to filter properly. That's so true. And, and you know, so so the, so the, the cool thing with the liver, so now let's talk about some liver tests. So so for example, like what, so there's a, there's a blood, a group of blood tests called a CMP, Comprehensive Metabolic Profile. And inside of that, the first thing that I look at is something called albumin. And I like albumin between, between four and five. The next thing that we look at is we look at globulin. Uh, I like that between 2.4 and 2.8. Um, alkaline phosphatase is another liver enzyme. And I'm giving, and again, by the way, so full disclosure, uh, my conversation is a medical advice. I'm just educating you guys. But alkaline phosphatase should be between 45 and 75. Uh, ALT, and, and ALP should be between 10 and 20. So if you're outside of those, that tells us there's liver stress. And respectfully, a lot of people don't get this. Low liver enzymes, in my opinion, are worse than high liver enzymes. Now, listeners, go back to our conversation about the white blood cells, and it's a very similar conversation. When your liver is stressed, its response is to give off enzymes. So an acute liver stress will show elevated enzymes but your body can only produce those elevated enzymes for so long before it loses the ability. So if I see alkaline phosphatase less than 45, that's concerning. If I see albumin less than four, ALP and ALT or AST less than 10, I'm going, oh man, what else is going on here? And then we have the ability through advanced testing to say, what are the toxins and what are the advanced infections that could be challenging that organ? And people wonder why they're so exhausted all the time, why they have so much fatigue. And and people then the liver doesn't go directly out of the body, it dumps into the intestines. Right. 
Right. You know, so that's the thing, right? So here's the thing. If your gut is off, your gut will literally give the liver like the Heisman, like, hey, buddy, no room at the end here. So then the liver's like, then what am I supposed to do with this stuff? Yeah, keep it inside for a while. So, and you also have to understand that the lymphatic tissue, 60 to 80% of our lymphatic tissue has to get processed by our gut and our liver as well. So, so the drainage is really one of the most underappreciated tools when it comes to our overall health and wellness. And, and here's the thing. Yes, I'm a fan of, you know, good vitamins and gut cleanses. But at the end of the day, like, why do you have leaky gut syndrome? It's not a lack of, of L-glutamine, right? It's not a lack of aloe vera juice. Why is your, why do you have leaky gut? So it, it doesn't make sense to schlep down a bunch of L-glutamine when you have Lyme disease floating around. You know, it's like trying to fix a road. Go ahead. I mean, you talked before about how we could help the liver, but talk, bring us through that again. You know, as people watch that, what can people do to help cleanse their liver? Well, so I'm a, so again, we test, we don't guess. So the question always has to be is, why is my liver stressed? Like what's going on? Yeah, Dr. Greg just schlepped off a bunch of these really fancy terms and numbers. And I just looked at my labs and now I'm freaked out. What do I do? So the question is always be curious with yourself. Why is it that way? So number one, um, you know, from a dietary standpoint, by the way, lifestyle management components need to be, they need to be sustainable, right? I mean, we have people that do like the whole 30 and they're like, when is day 31? Because this is miserable. This is not sustainable. So we start slow, you know, from a dietary standpoint, we look at people globally and I say, what's one thing that we can add and what's one thing that we can maybe cut in half? You know, we all know things that we're, we all know what we're supposed to do, but the reality is it's it's the it's the the audacity to do that. And and after a break, we can jump in. I've got some some other kind of like for the biohackers out there. I do have some other liver things that are pretty cool to do. Well, we're speaking with the amazing Dr. Greg. He's all over uh, social media. Check him out on his Facebook and on his Instagram. This is Dr. Kerry Gell for Open Your Eyes Radio on AM 1280. The Patriot will be right back. MacuHealth, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. We are back. This is Dr. Kerry Gelb on Open Your Eyes Radio and AM 1280 The Patriot. We're back with Dr. Greg. Uh, you could find him on social media, uh, functional medicine doctor out of the Minnesota area, and he's giving us some great information. We were talking about the liver. Uh, continue a little bit uh, and help our audience about, we know the liver is is clogged up in a lot of people. Our diet is, most of us is terrible. We're right. exposed to all kinds of chemicals and all kinds of uh, pesticides and herbicides and glyphosate and and mm -hmm. sugars and, uh, and, and, and seed oils. And no wonder we're always so exhausted, but help right. us a little bit to get healthier, Dr. Greg. And that's important. And, you know, when we think of the liver, a lot of times we try to think the liver just has this internal medicine conversation. And there are so many things that can impede the liver. Um, but I also, I always want to empower people like, hey, what can I do? What's out there? What's helpful? And, and uh, let me just go through a, maybe a list of things that we recommend for our patients. 
here in our practice. And, and if you're if you're listening to this, you don't have to do all of these to get well. But what, why I list these out is I don't want you to say to me, how come you never told me about that one? So th there's many things that we can do. One of the things, so remember, we've talked a lot in this episode about the immune system. And the immune system needs to be supported. And there's many things that we can do to support the immune system. So there's a term that is used in medicine, and it's called hormesis. And hormesis is this fancy term that says, if you get too much of something, it would kill you. But a little bit of it is actually quite robust uh, for your world. So for example, like too much hot exposure is bad for you, uh, but a little bit is actually good. So, so in the world of hormesis, we fall into three areas primarily. So actually there's many areas when we really think of it, but so for example, I, we use middle, near and far infrared therapy in our practice. And what we know through infrared therapy, we don't, we actually have people buy their own units. Uh, they're very reasonable. Uh, you can get mats, you can get saunas, but the idea of infrared therapy is you actually create a fake fever in the body, especially we treat lots of chronic Lyme disease in this practice. The idea is to support the body to get rid of stuff. So the heat and the, and the penetration of, of a sauna can actually cause a quote unquote fake fever in the body and our body can tolerate it, but the infection or infections are eradicated by it. So sauna work is fun. Heat therapy is good. I'm also a big fan of cold therapy. So, and now people will hear this and like, oh my gosh, no, thank you. I'm, I just turned the radio off. Uh, but we start with, we start simple, you guys, maybe it's putting your hands in, in cold water. Maybe it's taking 12 seconds of your shower and turning it to cold and dipping it in. And maybe you're a belly flop in the deep end kind of person and you jump into the, to the, to the ice barrel or the cold plunge conversation. But why they work is when you have a heat therapy or a cold therapy, they spike your immune system. And what that does inadvertently for the liver is it supports its processes uh, a breath work is another huge component. And this is a whole nother conversation, but there's this thing called the cell danger response. And we want physiologically our body from a nervous system standpoint to say, it's okay to heal. It's safe to heal. I'm not getting chased by a saber toothed tiger. It's okay for me to actually be in a state of healing. So box breathing, breath holds, um, uh, extended exhalation. There's all kinds of research around how to use breath. And it's actually some of the best research on recovering in a, a nervous system is through breath work. Um, castor oil packs are another give simple- us an Give us an example of breath work uh, of somebody's home and they just want to do a little you meditation. Bet. How's the best way to do it? Just I love it. So let me, let me, let me, let's go straight to the big one. This was actually a breath work technique that was designed for the Navy SEALs. So if you guys think about this, Navy SEALs go from like killing somebody to then 20 seconds later, having to hold a sniper rifle still enough to pop something off at a thousand yards. So, so something called box breathing was invented for the Navy SEALs. So quite simply, rule number one is all of the respiration has to be done through the nose. There's a great book called Breath by a guy named James Nestor. And in his research, he found that nasal breathing is actually much more soothing to the nervous system than oral breathing. And they actually did research where they, where they would actually like shove things up the nose and then do pre and post blood work. So it's a box. So it has four equal sides. So if we're going to do a count of four, a four count box breath would look something like this. So we take a breath in for a count of four, and then we hold the breath in for a count of four. 
We then exhale for a count of four, and then we hold the breath out for a count of four. That's one box. And optimally, we'd like to string about 20 of those boxes together. Now, let me give you another piece of information about breath. And this is from McEwen's book called The Oxygen Advantage. And in his book, he said there's a direct correlation with how long you can hold your breath and how robust your immune system is. But think about it, listeners. If, if your nervous system is tapped and you're frazzled and you go to hold your breath, your body is like, um, excuse me, what are you doing? Um, please breathe. I'm not in a good spot, right? But if, you're, if your immune system is robust and you take a breath and you hold, your body's like, huh, what are we going to learn here? What's new in this facet? And that goes into some of Wim Hof's work, the, the guy from the Netherlands, where he does this advanced breath holding work. And they actually took Wim Hof to the hypothermia chamber at the University of Minnesota Duluth to prove to disprove his theory about making the immune system robust. And so he proved it. And then they're like, oh, you're just a freak of nature. And then they brought many of his students in and proved the same thing. So there's many things that we can do. Breath work, you guys, by the way, it's free. So many people want to get fancy before they embrace simple in their journey. And when you were talking before about the infrared sauna and the cold baths, do they have to be done one after another? Or could they be done on separate days? How, how, how do you recommend it? That's a good question. So we talked before our episode started where my family and I spent uh, some time in Hawaii. And, and one of the things that the Hawaiians taught us was this thing called seven sacred plunges. So, so if you have the ability, so in Hawaii, they would do hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot. And they would go back and forth between the hot and cold. So if you have the time and the facilities, knock your socks off. But the reality is they also work independently of one another. So you don't have to go back and forth between them. But we know, for example, like even in the sauna, the ability to sweat. We have many patients that come to our practice with chronic Lyme disease or chronic autoimmune disease, and they can't sweat, Dr. Gell. Their drainage pathways are so bad that they can't even break a sweat. So sometimes we have to go in and force some of those facets. But again, don't overcomplicate it. Pick up the low-hanging fruit. And, and take action steps towards living your best self. So when you go in infrared sauna, do you have one in your house? An yes, sir, sauna? I do. Yep. And what do you, I had one in my house. I would go in 130, a temperature of 130 for 30 minutes. How do you do it? That's a good question. So, so one of the things that we've found with saunas, uh, so law of thermodynamics, right? Heat rises. And actually the part of our body that is least apt or able to tolerate heat is our head. So unless you're doing handstands, which I don't, I don't recommend in saunas, it's the hottest part of your body. So, so a, a, a friend of mine actually, um, whose daughter actually died from complications of Lyme disease and mycotoxin illness, he actually designed a sauna where your head sticks out of the top of it. And it, what it allows us to do is take the internal temperature to about 170 degrees. So you can stay in it much longer without feeling like your head's about to, to pop off of the top. The reality is there is no optimal. Every person has different tolerances. So for example, my patients that have chronic Lyme disease, there are times that they can spend about two or three minutes because here's the thing. When people do detoxification, there's a term in detoxification called a Herx reaction or a Herxheimer reaction. It's a die-off reaction. And here's what it is. It means that you did not honor drainage. 
you tried you tried to kick you know it's so so it's it's like you tried to kick people out but the door was locked for them to get out and and so they just you 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 poked a caged bear is what happened inside of that so so we have to understand people that are really sensitive cannot take much push because their system is very um it's like a a gentle flower so drainage is one thing and then the other thing is your body has to have enough cellular energy enough mitochondrial sufficiency to get this work done so if you think about it think of like any health journey is like climbing a mountain and it's okay to pull the car over to the side of the road and pump the brakes and and a lot of people that do detox on their own they start doing something and then they you know something happens and they just they just abandon ship so that's why you know detoxification at the level that we do it clinically is uh, you know really almost i would say never a, a do it yourself kind of process but a lot of these things that we're talking about saunas and cold exposure and and breath holding that stuff is all things that anyone can do um now if you if you have health conditions obviously make sure you're consulting with your physician but there's a lot of a lot of really good assets out there right now. So you talked about infrared sauna, cold plunges, uh, breathing, respiration, and you were about to tell us something else. What was the next on the list? Well, the one thing that I do talk about in this practice, and this gets this makes some people cringe, are coffee enemas. Um, so, so I'm, I'm Dr. Gonzalez, you know, I've interviewed Dr. Gonzalez's wife. There you and, go. And. and uh, Mary Beth Gonzalez on cancer and Dr. Yep. Gonzalez's uh, techniques and right. you know, uh, coffee enemas was were, was in the Merck manual. It was something that was very well accepted for a while. Right, they took right. it out of the Merck manual. Isn't that so, crazy? But yeah, I mean, so years ago I became formally trained in the Gershon cancer method, and uh -huh. so 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 there's two properties of enema coffee it's it's caprylic acid and caffeine and when you put those in the presence of the hemorrhoid vein early ago you said the liver has to dump into the gut and you're right so when you put those those chemicals in the presence of the hemorrhoid vein then it actually three things happen number one you increase glutathione s transferase by about 600 percent which is amazing glutathione is a very potent antioxidant Number two, you open up the cystic duct, which is kind of like that trap door on the liver. And then lastly, it promotes gastric em or uh, gut emptying. So it helps people with, with gut mobility. So a huge fan of coffee enemas here. Uh, so talk about to us about coffee enema. How do you do it? Uh, you were talking about how it increases glutathione and how glutathione is important for antioxidants, anti-inflammatory. And as we get older, we start to lose glutathione. So this is a way to increase glutathione. Uh, are there other ways to bring glutathione in the body? Can we take uh, glutathione directly uh, sure. or do we have to take the precursors to glutathione? Dr. Greg, take it away. No, that's a good question. So, and, and respectfully, not you don't have to do coffee enemas to get well uh you know very respectfully for a former patient of mine um he he experienced some some trauma uh in his life and he's like dr greg i just i can't do that and i was like oh my gosh you don't have to so if there's a listener listening to this like oh my gosh like my brain cannot go there like you have grace upon grace for you you don't have to to do them though we have had people that when they do them and you start slow and slow and easy you know some people are like you got to use four cups or six cups and i'm like start with a half of a cup like 
uh, like uh, just get used to it and and allow yourself. Don't feel like you're forcing something upon yourself inside of it. And again, it's a tool. Now, one thing that we've learned over 20 years of doing these things is you can add other things uh, with with the, the oversight of a clinician or a physician. You can actually add other things into the coffee enema solution to actually even make it more impactful. And not just that, you can take some things orally before you do the coffee enema to prime the liver tissue and to prime that cystic duct so that it's more open and willing and able to, to, to dump its stuff. But glutathione is a very interesting conversation. And there's actually some controversy around it as well because some people are like, well, too much antioxidant can actually be oxidizing. Um, so. The, the, the gold standard for glutathione is actually an intravenous injection. The catch those are so darn expensive that I actually don't believe the juice is worth the squeeze when it comes to the IV administration. But again, the question is always why. It's not a, it's not a lack of like N-acetylcysteine or NAD or NAD+. The question we always have to ask is, well, why? What's going on in my system? What could be the reason why my liver is stressed. Now, I need to tell you guys this, and this could feel like a little bit out there, but so one of the things that I think of that I like about functional medicine is we kind of we kind of chew the meat and the spit out the bones of all the different specialties of medicine in the world. And Chinese medicine is a part of a, of, of a practice that I've studied over the last 20 years. And Chinese medicine would say, if there's liver gallbladder stress, there's actually, there can be associations to get this, liver, or, excuse me, anger and resentment. So even our emotions, as woo-woo as that might sound, can have an impact upon our organs. And people are like, I don't know if I believe that. And I'll say like, do you love public speaking? And they're like, no. <laughs> do you get a knot in your stomach if you have to speak? Yes. Well, there's proof that an emotional stress can cause an internal physical manifestation. And so many people, you guys, I, I just, and hear my heart, please. I'm, I'm not trying to be judgmental. But what I will tell every single person is the people that get great success in functional medicine are the people that are willing to go there to deal with their stuff. And what we mean by stuff is we all have emotional stress and emotional trauma. And some of you need to be seen a mental health therapist. You have big things. Actually, I just had a patient this morning from Colorado. They had a huge trauma in their family 18 years ago. And she said, you know what, Dr. Greg, I finally think it's time for me to dig into that. And I was like, oh, my word, 18 years later. But it's very interesting. And, and if you're curious about if that's a part of you, what I would ask of you is what do you say to yourself in the mirror? What do you say to yourself when you're stressed? And what I will tell you is we have something in our brain called our limbic system, and if, if we have those belief systems that we don't deserve to be well, or that or that we're not, it's it's that we'll never get well, or that, or whatever it is, you're right. So you can take the best vitamins, you can take, you can take, do all the right stuff, but if you don't have a belief system that the process is appropriate and you're deserving of it, you'll trump that. So that could be a whole nother, a uh, whole nother rabbit trail for us to go down at some point in time, but that's clutch. People really need to, to dig in and, and, and just be curious with yourself, not judgmental, be curious with why you do what you do.
You know, we were talking about glutathione, how important it is. And as we get older, you know, we lose our glutathione and it's been theorized by some people. That's one of the reasons we, we die eventually. What do you think about liposomal glutathione? Yeah, it's a good question. So part of it is when, whenever anything is taken orally, right, it has to be processed inside of the body. So in my opinion, what I would say is probably second to uh, intravenous. And actually, I should say third, because I've actually had really good response with transdermal glutathione that's compounded by a compounding pharmacy and put on thin skin. So, so liposomal, lipo means it has a, a, a fat level to it. So it actually absorbs in a different fashion. But again, um, yeah, so, so it's better than oral. You, you really don't absorb a, 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 a water-soluble glutathione really at all. And then you have liposomal, then transdermal, then intravenous. But what I, but what I need to say inside of all of that is, is um, so I used to do tons of micronutrient testing. And glutathione was one of the micronutrients that we tested for. And I will tell you that it was about five out of 100 cases that intracellular glutathione insufficiency showed up. So it's very interesting when you look at those conversations. It's just like people saying, magnesium is the most deficient mineral. I'm like, where did you read that? Because I've done thousands of intracellular magnesium tests, and that's not what I have seen anecdotally. Now, it doesn't mean that you may not benefit from magnesium, but don't go and tell me that that it's the most, I mean, whenever somebody says something that you're kind of like, uh, I'll, I'll always say like, oh, that's interesting. Where did you read that? Can I have a copy? Uh, because a lot of it's opinions that are out there. So it's time for us to go to bat for ourselves and really ask. And that's why we test things. Like, because you're going to listen to this. You're like, oh my gosh, I should do a parasite cleanse. I should get a sauna. I should do coffee enemas. No, 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 no. We have the ability. Medicine now is so good. Functional medicine is so good that we can test for what you're taking. It is not uncommon that a person walks, walks into my practice and they're taking 10, 12, 15 different supplements. And I'm saying like, how long have you been taking that? And they're like, a long time. Well, why did, why did you take it? Oh, I read something about it. Oh, and, and then when I say, hey, we can do better. You're spending a lot of good money. Let's make sure that it's being spent in the right way. And they're like, yes, please, we should do that. You know, we, as, we, as we finish up here and we're, we were talking about the liver, let's give me a, a couple of comments about the kidneys. The kidneys are important. We have to be able to, and that goes right out of the, the kidney leads to, outside the body we urinate things out yeah that's so true okay so you, obviously your kidneys are part of your drainage pathway so on your on your comprehensive metabolic profile you're looking at things like sodium and creatinine and blood urea nitrogen <clears throat> so those markers so the kidneys if you think about think of your kidneys as 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 um processing fluids and liquids right because your kidneys make urine so if you think of it that way and here's the thing that you have so so obviously we have to be drinking good quality water. And oh my word, there, you could probably have a hundred different podcast guests about how bad the water is in the United States. And there's a lot of controversy. Some, some people are like, you got to do the Berkey. And some people are like, you got to do distilled. And some people are like, you got to have structured water. The reality is you should not be drinking municipal water literally wherever you live. Like, like it's bad. Like it's it's horrible. So so number one is, I mean, what's the low-hanging fruit? Your kidneys require rinsing fluid so good quality water and by the way you can drink too much water it's called hyponatremia you can dilute your cells so typically i tell people roughly and again depending on what they can tolerate about half of your body weight in ounces like i'm an old football player i'm six foot four 250 pounds so so i shoot for a gallon because that's about half of that so 
But here's the thing too, your, your, your kidneys can get rid of infection. So you have to make sure you're supporting them. And, and by the way, go for walks. Your body needs the movement. Your body needs the movement of walking. By the way, if you find me on social, you'll probably catch me out on a walk. As, as we finish up with Dr. Greg, uh, he brought up water and uh, Bobby Kennedy just talked about atrazine in the water. And, you know, they talk about frogs and uh, male frogs being feminized by atrazine. I want to thank Dr. Greg for joining us today. Dr. Greg, if people want to find out more about you, how could they do it? Yeah, so jump social at Dr. Greg Health at Dr. Greg Health, and then our our clinic. Uh, we're based in Minnesota, but we treat people all over the United States. So that's VTAFM, V-I-T-A-E-F-M dot com. Dr. Greg, thank you for joining me today. This is Dr. Kerry Gill for Open Your Eyes Radio on AM twelve eighty The Patriot. Till next week. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEBroadcasting.com and sign up today.